Hello, and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space Nights. A late night podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the powerful Matt. Oh, sexy late night recording. Oh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling powerful, David. For context, listeners, we normally record on a weekend afternoon, usually a Saturday or a Sunday, but it is 20 to 9 on a Monday night. Oh, Monday night, the sexiest of all the nights. <laughs> that it is. That it is. So, um, yeah, if I, if I fall asleep halfway through this podcast, uh, listeners... You know why? Yeah. I've um we we had we had planned to start recording at eight, but uh, little Absorbaloff was in full Energizer Bunny mode uh, this evening, and uh, it it took some doing getting that boy to bed tonight. Yeah, and a, li- a little peek behind the curtain. I always put a message mm-hmm. out on around a Wednesday saying, "Oh, I'm going to watch the episode tonight. Has anyone got any thoughts?" And I just do that so we get thoughts in earlier, give people more chance. I hadn't watched the episode till this evening, so I drove straight home from work, watched it, listened to the Married to Who episode where they discussed it, because my heart wasn't really in it when I watched it, and then we're recording, so big big day of Doctor Who for me. (laughs) Yeah, so um, we're really going to be firing on all cylinders this week. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one we're going to submit to the Sony Podcast Awards. I can feel it Ah. now. (laughs) The the other thing that I was going to mention up top, um, and uh, for a couple of reasons, um, one because as far as I'm concerned, I treat my mental health the same way I do my physical health and and just as if i if i was recording and i was just getting over a cold or something like that i'd probably flag it up for the listeners just so you got a bit of context um i've i'm i'm not a hundred percent at the moment and um i think it's kind of worth worth mentioning that um if only obviously because of the reason i just mentioned but also I don't think uh, people do talk about mental health openly enough sometimes. Um, So I'm going to be super upfront with you listeners. And I do apologize if uh, this isn't what you tune into your, your, uh, I know we will get to toast. Don't you worry. Um, But yeah, I've mentioned on pod in previously in passing that I've had a bit, bit of a stressful time recently at work and it kind of came to a head in, in, um, uh, the last week or so um, so I've had to take a bit of time off work and just kind of just trying to get on an even keel again you know and uh, it happens to a lot of people more people than you might imagine um, and I'm hoping that that you know it, it will you know be a, a few weeks and hopefully I'll be right as rain again but I just kind of wanted to just be open about that you know Um so and another reason why I'm probably not going to be on top form this <laughs> evening, but I, I will try my best. I'll be honest, I have been looking forward to this, to just having a good old ramble with yeah. a mate this evening. Um, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and yeah, but please, listeners, don't worry unduly about me. I've got wonderful, supportive friends and family, Matt included. Um, and... Yeah, and, you know, I'll be fine. 
Yeah. I'll be fine. I, I think it's important, <laughs> you know, that we put it out there. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I know I, it's almost become a bit of a cliche, the old it's okay not to be okay. But I, I think, you know, one, I can't remember who it was that said it to me. I think it's, you know, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. Absolutely. I, I think that's important to acknowledge. Yeah. So, shall we have a bloody good time this evening? We'll do our level best until, Come as I on. say, prob- I've probably got about 45 minutes in the tank before I will start to feel uh, really quite tired. Yeah. That's how I feel anyway. I'm like, I've got all this energy for the good 45 minutes of our podcast. In fact, uh, Jake from Married to Who's kindly been putting messages out on mm-hmm. Twitter showing when we start talking about Doctor Who so people can know when to switch off. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but while, whilst we're on that topic, David, uh, I feel mm-hmm. I need to address something myself. Yes, go for it. Okay. And this is a new segment of the show we're introducing this week called I Refuse to Be Bullied. <laughs> okay. Because okay. this week, uh, I feel feel a bit guilty saying this after you've been so open this, this evening. But... Yeah. But I, I want to I want to call out a bully. Okay, go on. Okay. Who's this bully? I I know she's listening. I'm going to call out Sam from the Married to Who podcast. Okay. Because after our conversation last week, where I said oh, I'm not that keen on Nutella, she developed a little mm-hmm. bit of a habit of just sending me pictures of Nutella on toast. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> I, I'm a man of strong convictions. I stand by what I said. Okay, I'm not a fan of Nutella, and I refuse to be bullied. Ah, well, gauntlet thrown there, then. Mm. Crikey, yeah. For me, I mean, for what it's worth, I'm a, I'm an every now and then person when it comes to Nutella. Mm. It's not like a permanent fixture at my breakfast table. Um, but in the context of say a pancake. Or as a special treat. Occasionally, I will admit it, I've just dug in with a spoon when the mood has taken me. Now, now here's a question, David. You say it's not mm-hmm. a regular at your breakfast table. Mm-hmm. What was on that breakfast table this morning? Oh, I segued straight into it. That was beautifully done, Matt. Beautifully done. Um, I wonder if you can guess. A little bit toast, a little bit marmite. You would be right, sir. Yes. You would be right. Yeah, the classic. I And you know what? It nearly wasn't. I was eyeing up a box of crunchy nut cornflakes this morning. Ooh, and I was very years. close to going for it. But, I thought, but you know, at the last minute, I was just, I just swerved like, you know what? No, I need a bit of comforting familiarity in my life this morning. And so nice. toast and marmite it was. What about you? Uh, I had a large mug of coffee and a Twix. Excellent. Excellent Now, because we're recording quite late, David, we could go Mm -hmm. for the hat trick. What did you have for lunch? Okay. So, uh, lunch was... (laughs) This will sound bad, right? Um, (laughs) With being at home, rather being at work... I was I, I just 
I didn't quite know what to do for lunch and in the end opted for pizza, which had just been sat in our freezer for a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. I was just like, you know what? I just fancy a little bit of pizza. And, you know, credit where it's due. I did have a little handful of uh, salad leaves on there. I had um, a dollop of coleslaw, you know, kind of did a did the, the sort of pizza hut buffet style approach. So I think it was a legitimate lunch choice. Yeah, sounds but, good. Um, a little bit fancy. And um, talk, talk to me about toppings. Was it a plain pizza? Um, it It's one you can get at Aldi and it's uh, pretty much a knockoff of your uh, Dr. Erker standard mozzarella pizza, uh, margarita pizza. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Dr. Erker one, uh, but in addition to your standard um, uh, just cheap, plain cheese topping on their margarita, they have little blobs of pesto on there. Ooh. Well, what do you suppose Dr. Erker got his, like, doctorship in? Pizzaology, presumably. Yeah. But, but he also does sprinkles and cake ingredients, doesn't he? Yeah, so who would you rather perform surgery on you? Dr. Erka or Dr. Dre? <laughs> um, and what kind of surgery are we talking if, I mean, Open is it just heart like an amputation? surgery. Really invasive. Open heart open. surgery. You, you could have Dr. Fox, but I wasn't sure whether our okay. overseas listeners would know who that is. I am confident that Dr. Dre would not be a good choice. Dr. Erka may be equally bad, if not worse, but I feel like he's more of a more of a mystery at this stage. I don't know the ins and outs of, of what he has and hasn't done with his life. So for all I know, he could be a fully qualified surgeon. So I'm going to say Dr. Erka. He'd chop you open with a pizza cutter. He might, yeah. But you know what? If it works for him, if that's what, if if those are tools that he's comfortable using, then I'd rather that than Doctor Dre, who I I don't think would be would be at all confident in that situation. Right now, for the ha- that, for the ha- okay, no, go on. Sorry, uh, if it was me and I got to choose a doctor, yeah, uh, I'd go for Doctor Zeus. And yeah. At least then um, I'd have a little chuckle whilst things are going on. Absolutely. Uh, he'd be keeping you entertained. You wouldn't need anesthetic, yeah. would you? No. He'd I'd just uh, he'd just uh Laughter's pull out the best some... medicine, isn't it? <laughs> and that's that's why he's a doctor. Um what what did you have for tea this evening? So I we kept things Italian. It was uh, and this was, to be honest. Just in in classic uh, parenting style, uh, oh, the kids at home, we just need to throw something together in 10 minutes and, you know, get get the boy fed. So um, it was it was not the full Jodie Whittaker, but we did have some creamy pasta. So there's no red wine accompaniment, but it was a bit of uh, just bodge job cream cheese pasta sauce. Nice. So I've had a I've had a very, very carby cheesy kind of a day today. It yeah. must be said. I just had sausage sandwich, vegetarian sausage, no less. 
Oh, very nice. I think, uh, I think it was made up of A hack. Just good old hack. Uh, but yeah, it was see, okay. I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest fan of... If you're going to do, um, like... Um, like vegetarian sausages, burgers, things like that. I'd sooner have some. I, I, I don't know if this puts me in the minority or not, but I prefer something that is actually attempting to approximate meat in texture and flavour. Yeah, that's what these sausages were. Really, even with with peas. I wonder how that works. I, I have no idea. It kept. It mm. said peas on the packaging, but. Mm. I haven't tried the heck ones. I should probably give them a go yeah. at some point. You know, shop local and all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, we'll probably touch on that more um, when we get to Meal of the Week. But but anyway, um, so... Speaking of which, your breakfast, what, lunch. Yeah. Should we just move straight in to Meal of the Week? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we can do. Um, what was your Meal of the Week, Matt? Right. Uh, I kind of need to give you a bit of a hypothetical before. Okay. Right. I, I want second hypothetical of the evening. I want you to imagine you really want a coffee, like, and you've got your heart set on like a proper nice latte. Mm-hmm. And you go and you step up to the counter, and the lady, yeah. you say, "Can I have a large latte?" And she replies by saying, "Sorry, love, the the machine's not working, but I'll do you an instant coffee if you want." Mm. Would you take an instant coffee in that situation? Am I uh, okay? So, is it a case that I've you know um, I'm I'm fla- it's mid morning. I'm flagging. I need the caffeine boost to get me through the day, or is it that I've been just been thinking? Oh, I'm looking forward to a lovely. Tr- I'm going to have a lovely coffee. Yeah, it's going to be a real. Just looking golden- forward to it. Hmm. No, I wouldn't. Then. Ah, see, yeah. I did. <laughs> and you see, I I pivot to a different kind of drink altogether. No, I was I was so stunned that I was just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll have an instant coffee. <laughs> and that coffee, <laughs> David, is my meal of the week because I purchased that coffee for the first time in over a year at the cinema. Oh, wow. Yeah. What 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 were you going to see? I went to see Black Widow. Oh, nice. Uh, it's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. Um, like, all COVID things were in mm-hmm. place. I was sat miles mm-hmm. away from anyone else in the cinema. And yeah. I was just back in my happy place. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been flipping and flopping about whether or not I go and see Black Widow at the cinema. Yeah. Um, I, I went on my own. And mm. it was definitely the right choice. I just, yeah, I've missed it so much. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, you, 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 you're persuading me already. <laughs> I think it's something I need to try and uh, try and do at some point. Yeah. Um, so I got a, a lovely yeah. instant coffee. Uh, and I tell you what, Black Widow's longer than I thought mm-hmm. it was. It was easily over two hours. Uh, uh, that coffee yeah. went straight through me, David. I, I, <laughs> I was sat awkwardly for the last half hour. Yeah, you've really got to... I don't know, because I don't think I have ever watched a film in the cinema without a 
um, a Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I would never choose anything else. I don't always like get it from the concession stand. Quite often, I will just sneak a bottle in that I bought at a, in a corner shop on route or something like that. But for me, Diet Coke is, you know, the the only cinema drink. I would ever See, really count it. If I had a Diet Coke, I'd have drank it by the time the adverts had finished. <laughs> so I go for a nice hot coffee. Um, and as, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I have a little yeah. routine at the cinema. I always take my shoes off. Oh, right. I just think if I'm going to be sat for that long, I would do it at home. Mm. Um, yeah, you're not at home though, are you, Matt? You're you're in a uh, public building with other people present. Yeah, but it's pitch black. Who maybe black. don't want to, don't want to hear, don't want to smell your your honking socks. Right. No one. First of all, no one was sat within two meters of me. <laughs> right. And I'm I'm not one of these perverts that rubs my feet over the seats in front <laughs> and goes, oh, it's comfy. I'll put my feet up. Right. I just take them off, and then I'm comfy. I don't take my socks off as well. I think I think our listeners need to weigh in on this one, because I I feel right. like what you were describing there is is a is a is a faux pas. I think that's just um, ungentlemanly behaviour, but I could be wrong. I could be out of line there. No, no, no one's allowed to just send a message going, "Oh, Matt, <laughs> you've taken your shoes off, you weirdo." Try it, right? Game changer. I'm not saying it's not comfy. I'm not saying that, Matt. I'm just saying I don't know that other people would appreciate the experience as much as you do um, in the in your vicinity. To try and get people back into the cinema, the tickets were so cheap, so I bought two tickets and had a sofa to myself. Yeah, now that's good thinking. And I, I even bought them at the kiosk so I didn't have to have an awkward conversation with a woman about whether my <laughs> friend was coming or not and doing the track and trace, right? I just bought, <laughs> went to the machine, bought two tickets because they were only £3 each. So £6 is usually cheaper than one ticket. Uh, so nice. I just got a sofa to myself. It was lovely. Excellent, excellent. Right, well, we went about the houses <sighs> there. Um, we did, Should we yes. talk about your so... meal of the week? <laughs> My meal of the week. So, returning briefly to the theme of meat substitutes. Um, my partner and I impulse bought at Tesco the other day a pack of um, Greek kebab. Uh, what was it? Um, it begins with a V. Viv something or other. Not Viv... Um, Vivera, that's it. Yeah, so Greek kebab Vivera. So it was it was just little strips of, you know, whatever reconstituted mush they've made into a vaguely meaty texture, um, but just like coated in delicious spices. Uh-huh. And, you know, um, quickly fried that up with some onions, whacked it in a flatbread with some with some salad and a bit of a uh, bit of aioli and Oh my god, Matt! Because you know, I, I I've spoken before about like I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, someone who was raised vegetarian. I do remember vaguely what meat was like. I've I've not eaten meat since I was in my sort of 
mid-teens. Um, but I, it's, I've not eaten a kebab in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, it's a, a really special, different thing. Um, it's been really interesting. There's really has been a, a, a proliferation of um, meat sub- substitutes in the last few years. So it's been interesting. Like instead of you used to go into the supermarket and you'd just have like one dusty corner full of corn, and that was that. And it's just like, oh, what should we do? Should we do the corn sausages or the corn burgers or the corn chunks this week? Because those are the three things. Um, and yeah, now you've got like flipping a hundred different sausages that all taste and you know behave slightly differently, um, and yeah, crazy stuff like that. Like just uh, ke- uh, uh, apologize, apologies, listeners, if you can hear that. That's um, Master Dog having a little dog dream on the sofa next to me. <laughs> just the, one of one of David, the little, it, it uh, sounds like you're revving a motorbike. <laughs> Nope, that's just uh, that's just a dreaming staffy you're hearing right now. Um, yeah, just one of the perks of uh, of uh, neither the time nor the space nights. Yeah, sexy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a, nothing so sexy like a snoring <laughs> nine year old staffy. <laughs> uh. Um, right, I totally lost, lost my train track of thought of there. So anyway, kebabs. That's my meal of the week. Kebabs. Excellent. Excellent. It was good. Right. Where do you want to go next? TV highlight of the week, or would I like to have? Now, let me think, because I've not prepared my TV highlight of the week. Um, but I have been watching some telly. I just can't remember what it is. Oh, that was it. I started watching This Country. Okay. Any good? Um, the, uh, it's a BBC sitcom starring uh, and like written, uh, devised, and, and, and starring Daisy Bay Cooper and uh, someone else who I believe is maybe her brother or some kind of relative. They play cousins on the show, but I think they might be mm-hmm. brother and sister. I haven't Googled that yet. Um, but anyway, it's a sort of... Uh, mockumentary about you know uh, life in a boring rural village. Um, I've heard it's meant to be quite good. It yeah, I mean I I hadn't really heard I'd heard of it, but I hadn't didn't know much about it. And it, my first exposure to Daisy May Cooper, as I think for a lot of people, was uh, her appearance on Taskmaster, um, and she was one of the standouts of that series. So that kind of did nudge me and remind me that, that she had this. I think there's like three series of it up on iPlayer. So I've watched the first couple and it's a strong start. Yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like, it's not gag heavy. It's very much character based comedy. It's all, it's all about the observations and the performances and the 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 tone and the feeling that it that it generates more than like big slapstick or or, or a kind of clever punk wordplay or anything like that. Um, so I guess you could say sort of like The Office or you know in that kind of mold, 
but um, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it so far, and I'm certainly going to stick with it at least uh, all the way through the first series. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, well, I suppose I may as well address it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the football didn't go our way last night. Oh, yes. No, I was aware of that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to come out now and go, oh, I thought football was supposed to be coming home. I think people that make comments like that just don't get it. I think I think mm. you've got to look at the broader picture than just, yes, England lost a game of football. You know, if you think about the terrible year the world has had, I, mm-hmm. I think this summer's European Championship has been... It's been, certainly been the breath of fresh air I've been looking for. And, you know, if you take it in a very British context, our, our country is fairly divided at the moment. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty that's fair That's one way say. of putting it. You know, you turn on the telly most of the time and it's just horrible people doing horrible things, usually to the aides that they hire in a cupboard. Um, <laughs> you know, let's, let's keep the politics out of the pocket. But, yes, you know, I, I think, you know, we've got a group of young men there. You know, if you look at the likes of Marcus Rashford, who has provided meals to disadvantaged young people in impoverished areas. Raheem yeah. Sterling, who's tackling the systematic racism in the British press. Harry Kane, who's a proud ally of LBGTQ communities. You know, I, I think we've got a group of young men there that we can be really proud of. And I think just, you know, as soon as the football finished, I got some messages going, oh, but you're gutted England lost. And I'm not. I'm 100% entirely proud, actually. Fantastic. Well said. I will, you know, I've I've been, I've been openly dismissive of football as a sport and this tournament, um, it, you know, on, on this podcast. And, you know, that's slightly tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, I mean, genuinely... I'm, I couldn't. I couldn't give two figs about it. I haven't. I didn't watch a second of it because it's not something that I'm interested in. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that I don't respect um, th- th- what those what those guys did on and off the pitch. Yeah. Um, to 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 uh, one to you know play sport at the level that they did is something I could never even dream of doing. So fair play to them. Um, and secondly, to then, on top of that, use the celebrity and platform that they have to try and do good for the world yeah. and society. You know, on top of that, you, you can't fault them. When I when I was young, it was just like, oh, I'll play for England because then women will like me. Mm. And it, it's so much more than that. I think, you know, the, the idiots out there that were, you know, smashing up pubs last night because England lost mm. and... You know, it, it, I, I know everyone says, you know, football's coming home. I, I think I have felt this summer, and this will sound really cheesy, football is home. Mm. You know, it, it, I have felt better than I have probably for about a year watching sport. It's been brilliant. Well, that's fantastic, and I and I'm and I'm sure an awful lot of people will have had similar experiences. Maybe not many people from uh, who are regular listeners to our show. No. 
Um, hard to say, isn't it? But um, Well, the good news is it's the World Cup next year, so we're going to win that instead. Yay. <laughs> um, and also, I, I, I don't suppose you like rugby any more than you like uh, the football. Not really, no. No, well, uh, this is on a totally unrelated point, but this weekend, England beat Canada at the rugby. I don't suppose rugby is very big in Canada anyway. But um, there was a young man playing for England, Mm. a guy called Adam Radwan, scored a hat-trick of tries. And he is a young man I've had the pleasure of teaching. So I just wanted to say... Oh, wow. Massive, you know, respect again. Massive pride. Well done, Adam. I, I really mm-hmm. don't think you'll be listening to this crap, but I just wanted to put it out there. Oh, I'd hope not. Done us all proud. <laughs> yeah. Ah, congratulations to him. Yeah, um, well done. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, I I guess now we should um, we should maybe play a little round of Would I Lie to Who. Now, in keeping with the theme, David, I've gone Mm -hmm. Doctor Who theme this week. Oh, lovely. Okay. Just joking, David, because this week we are not playing Would I Lie to Who. We are playing What's in Matt's Mystery Bag of Slime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Right. So is this slime that you have concocted? Here's the story. Football mm-hmm. was on last night. Was having a barbecue. Um, yeah. Still using my new barbecue. Still love it. Went to the fridge and we had a box that had marinated chicken in. Right. And then there was just a Tupperware bag. And I could see it had some sort of liquidy thing in it. So mm-hmm. I assumed maybe that had marinading chicken in it as well. Right. But when I pulled it out, it was just a bag of slime, David. (laughs) A bag, an unlabeled bag of mystery slime. Mm. So, in keeping with the game, I'm going to give you three options, David, and I want you to try and identify what the slime was. Okay. And I've got no visual aid for this. Uh, I can send you a picture of the bag of slime if you want. I mean, I, if I, if I could, just so I can sort of gu- gauge the colour and consistency, that would be uh, that would be okay. beneficial. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'll send you it afterwards because okay. it, it kind of. Uh... I'll go in blind. I'll go in blind. We'll right. See. So, option number one for the mystery bag of slime was it <laughs> excess wallpaper paste? that my wife had put in the fridge to prevent it from spoiling. (laughs) Okay. We didn't want it to dry out. Right. Was it a nutrient-rich beet paste for horses that I only discovered once I'd had a little taste? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or was it, and I'll quote my wife here, Mm-hmm. A half-made pie I couldn't be asked finishing. <laughs> okay, okay. So, if it's A, uh, which walls of your house are you currently mid-wallpaper? Uh, we're doing a bit of work in our kitchen at the moment. 
So mm. we recently we repainted the kitchen, but we've got a downstairs cupboard loo in the kitchen. Mm. Uh, so we're just repapering in there just to make it a bit nicer. Because mm. we haven't really decorated since we moved in. Everything's just marigold, so we're putting a bit of effort in. What kind of wallpaper are you are you going with? Um, so it's it's kind of just I I, I can't call it floral, but it's mm. it's flowers. You know, I don't want you to think it's some sort of grand lavish Georgian pattern. It's it, it's not some William Morris affair. No, no, no. It's just no. flowers. Right. Okay. What sort of color palette are we talking? Uh, so. It's it's kind of creamy off white, and then the flower heads themselves are like a greyish violet. Mm. So we're doing those so, on the two walls, and then the back wall where the button for the flush is for the toilet. We're just painting. So let me get this right. You've decided. You've you've you, the rest of your house is it's all just you know standard magnolia kind of. As it came. Well, not necessarily. And it's you, very I, neutral colour. So, like, I'm in the attic okay. now and it's got, like, this peachy <clears throat> pink colour. Yeah. But that's not one you've chosen. That's just how, how the house how came. came. You got it. Yeah. So, you've decided we're going to start decorating. We're going to start doing the walls. And we're going to start with the downstairs loo uh, off the, the kitchen. Yeah. Well, we've done we've done the kitchen. So, we're just kind of systematically moving through the house. Okay, okay. All right. Um, so, second option. Nutrient-rich beet paste for horses. Yep. Now, I know I know your wife is a horsey lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very plausible on that level. Um, and, you know, I my partner, she's not a horse person, but she is a dog person. Mm-hmm. And the amount of dog-related ephemera that ends up in our fridge. Um, yeah, I, I can very readily believe the, that. The worst bit is, like, I, I, I'm not really that familiar with beet. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I can tell you it smells really sweet. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd been misled. I thought it was maybe... I would say the colour was similar to like a nice gooseberry. So right. I, I, okay. I, I just assumed that's what it was. Stuck my finger in, had a taste. Turns out it's mm. just ketamine and beetroot. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, okay. Um, that reminds me. I might. I might just tangent here for a second because that reminds me of um, one of the most traumatic incidents of uh, my young adult life um which was when uh my partner and i were were standing around cooking cooking uh in the kitchen one day um we'd we were, i think we were making pizzas or something um and my partner had you know when you when you buy a ball of mozzarella from the supermarket and it comes in a little bag and and, and the bag is you know mm-hmm. got a sort of brine affair yeah. in it um, so she had, for reasons unbeknownst to me, to this day, she had drained the brine into a cup and <laughs> oh left it God. on the side of the workplace, <laughs> on the work surface. 
and I think you can probably see where this is heading. I was just, I, I was standing around, we were having a chat. I was like, oh, I'm a little bit parched. I look down on the work surface. There's a cup of clear liquid there. Ah, right. So my partner's uh, just quickly poured herself a glass of water. I'm, you know, we, we've we been together a while. We, sh- we you know, we share uh, drinks all the time. I'll just have a quick swig of that. And the, the, the second that sort of, I mean, it's not pleasant, right? Salty mozzarella brine, but it's not the worst taste in the world, but it was so unexpected. Yeah. That I just, I just retched and spewed it <laughs> halfway across the kitchen. It was such a visceral reaction because so, uh, the sheer, sheer shock of it. I would say the only thing that ever gets me like that, but rather than shock, it really upsets me, is when you yeah. go to put tomato sauce on your chips and that little bit of pissy tomato water comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just vinegar basically you just have a horrible translucent tomato piss on your <laughs> chips <laughs> yeah it's not pleasant um but anyway yeah so right so that's that was option b that's a that's that's, that's a contender for sure and remind me, what was the third one? Uh, it was a half-made pie that she couldn't mm. be asked finishing. Okay, so if, if we're talking a bag of slime, I would say that's that's considerably less than half-made, isn't it? Well, uh, I'll, <laughs> let, let me rephrase that, David. Okay. Just boiled the shit out of some rhubarb, put it in a bag. <laughs> like, there, there was mm. no telling... It, it didn't. It didn't look right, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well done, Matt. This is a good one. They're all so plausible. Okay, I'm eliminating A. Okay. Because I think you would have, if you were doing redecorating. I, I think I'd already have heard about it, probably on this podcast. Um. B or C, they're both so plausible. I'm going to go with B just because of the horse connection and knowing that that's that's something your wife spends a lot of her time doing. And it's exactly the... If, you know, fortunately, everything dog-related in our fridge is clearly looks like it's made out of meat, so I don't tend to touch it. But otherwise, (laughs) I could very much see myself in that situation. So I'm going to say B... The uh, horse paste. Right. Well, I've, I've just sent you through a picture of the bag of slime. Okay. Let's have a quick look at this. Um, and I think you'll be able to tell from the image you have correctly got rid of option A. Uh, the, I'm looking at it now. It's C, isn't it? It's C. It, it's just... It's That is, that is some... some uh, Maltreated rhubarb, if ever I've seen I, it. Should it be that colour? <laughs> I can, as as a rhubarb enthusiast, I'll tell you, it can be that colour, but it should not be that consistency. It, it looks like pork stock, pork, pork stock, David. <laughs> I nearly said pork it's, stock. It's, it looks like pork, pork stock. stock. <laughs> yeah, it that. Um, yeah, it looks grim. I don't think I'd I'd 
be too pleased about a pie containing that. Like, it looks like there is no substance to it whatsoever. Well, do you want, do you want a happy ending to that story? Yeah, go for it. Made a lovely crumble with it. Ah, good times. Yeah. Which is, which is you know, very much uh, the lazy alternative to a pie. Yeah, it's, it's the correct use of uh, rhubarb, though, I would argue. I don't know. Rhubarb's good in a pie. I don't know. But it's fantastic in a crumble. Did you add any additional fruit, or was it just pure rhubarb? Just pure rhubarb and whatever was in that mm. bag. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and I must know, Matt, and then we'll move on to a bit of Doctor Who chat, but I, I must know, with this crumble, were you going cream, ice cream, or custard? Right, well, what what I did was had cream with the crumble, mm-hmm. but then afterwards I had a little amuse-bouche, and yeah. this, this, if it wasn't for the, the coffee, this would be my meal mm-hmm. of the week. I had one of those ice lollies that's got ice cream in the middle. Oh, right, yeah. I don't know what they're called, the but sort. they're brilliant. Hmm. So like um you've got you've got like an exterior casing of fruit based ice yeah. and then like a like a plain vanilla ice cream in the centre. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Um I'm familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah. Summertime. Mm. Well um and anything else we need well, to Well, I mean I, I want I just want to say quickly there that you did fuck up. It should have been custard. Um so, that's on you, though, isn't it? Look, David, <laughs> I'm going to let one slide, all right? Because this is a late-night special edition, okay? Yeah. But watch your potty mouth, okay? <laughs> I I make no apology, Matt. I, I'll, in fact, I'll say it again. You're editing this week, so uh, enjoy this. You're f***ed up. Right, well. If I'm editing, then... R- I might as well say... Rhubarb and custard, come if I, on. If I'm editing, I might as well say this then. Watch your f***ing mouth, you d- <laughs> <laughs> There is absolutely no f***ing need for that amount of bad f***ing language on this podcast, you d- motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not wasting one of my f***ing evenings putting up with you and your terrible f***ing language. Uh, f- this we bet we better move on, hadn't we? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Enjoy that. I, I think the kids will be pirating That's... like an uncut version of this, David. <laughs> They'll all be on LimeWire getting a version. I'm just delighted that that's twenty minutes of your your week gone in the in, in that. Yeah. That short exchange. Get, get the old um, YouTube to MP3 converter on and download a. <laughs> censorship beep dot mp3 for the fourth week in a row <laughs> uh, alrighty then um, shall we talk about Doctor Who for a bit Matt oh since we have is it to. time since we have to yeah yeah uh, have we even mentioned what episode we're talking about this week <laughs> <laughs> I don't think what, we have at all. What are we, 45 um, minutes in? <laughs> Too busy talking about your like sexy dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
So, uh, we are talking about the pyramid at the end of the world this week. Mm. Part two of what turns out was a secret three-parter. Yeah, but no. you didn't see that coming, Matt. You liar. You absolute, <laughs> absolute rogue. <laughs> we'll address that in more detail later on. Um, but, yeah... Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, did we get many, many thoughts from the listeners on it? Oh, you know we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to do what we did last time? Do you just want a clean-cut edit of you saying you're excited for this? And then you can just go have a bath or something? I'm so excited to hear what our listeners have got to say about uh, this week's episode. Right, okay, I'm just going to go and pop the kettle on now, Matt. Excellent, right. I'll catch you in two. Right. I'm just going to read these out. Okay, so... We begin with Lydia, who says, What I can remember from this episode, Twelve's oddly vibrant shirt. Was Nardole picking out shirts for him? Bill being observant to everything but the Doctor's blindness. That hungover dude turning into goo. An astounding lack of, and I don't know what this stands for, O-S-H-A and S-O-P's. Not sure what that stands for. Erica, who is awesome. Nardole conveniently incapacitated when he's actually needed for once, and finally being baffled why they couldn't just do video call. Uh, I think the Married to Who guys mentioned that as well. Also, moral of the story, people need to drink responsibly. Excellent. Right, just quick check, are you back with me, David? Uh, <clears throat> are you back with me? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna edit that out, right? The, yeah, yeah, um... yeah. Don't worry. We'll just go from the top, David. Do you want to say hello to Lydia this week? Hello, Lydia. There we go. Perfect, David. It's like you were here the whole time. (laughs) Right. Uh, Our next message comes from Amy. Do you want to say hello to Amy, David, in a sultry, sexy, late-night voice? Hello, Amy. Okay. Amy says, hello, I liked it. I just enjoyed the way the episode unfolded. Then we have Twelve trying to hide his blindness with Nardole describing things for him. Bill's interrupted dates. And I liked Twelve's interactions with Erica. Bill's love for Twelve that she would give up the world. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Would you give up the world for Amy, David? Um... I think I'd probably have to get to know a little bit more. Come on, it's late night. You're supposed to go, yeah, baby. Uh, (laughs) Right. Next message comes from James. Do you want to say hello to James, David? Hello, James. Which James is this? Uh, It's James Swift. Ah. Um, The way I'm differentiating is if it's this James, I'm just calling him James. And if it's the other James, I'll call them James Courtney. Fan favourite. With us from day one, James Courtney. Mm-hmm. The one true James. Uh, what I want to know is, did James Swift answer first? Uh, because obviously that would uh, uh, very much be in keeping with his surname. Uh, Amy got there first. Mm, that's disappointing. Uh, but uh, when well, I've just checked on Twitter, Amy's surname is Fastest Woman on Earth. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, James says, I really enjoy how every episode in series 10 so far leads into the next, with this overarching monk story giving the previous episode's actions having consequences. I also enjoy that each 
series Earth-based episodes like this, the Zygon two-parter and Death in Heaven. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I never know what to say, Matt, in these situations. Like, I kind of just want to bite my tongue for now. Because right. I do have thoughts. Just, but... just say, cool tweet, bro. Who's next? And again, that would... if we get a... Is that... If we get any sequence of words that would sound less natural coming out of my mouth. Yeah, if we get a nice edit of you saying, cool tweet, bro, who's next? I can put it in between all of them and you can have a longer bath next week. Yeah, should we do that right now? Uh, so what was it? Give me, give me the words yeah. again. So we just need a nice clean edit of you saying, cool tweet, bro, who's next? And then we can put it in between all the tweets next week. And instead of just a quick 10-minute bath, you can have half an hour whilst I do this bit solo. Fantastic. Let's let's give it a go. Okay. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? So next up is Ariel, who says, It's kind of a letdown after the incredible setup in Extremis, but it's overall fairly enjoyable, I think. I like the idea that just one small change can have massive repercussions. So, David, that's the end of Ariel's tweet. Is there anything you want to say? Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Excellent. So, next, and this is the last one this week, is from BT Flibbity Giggard. Okay. Who says, definitely a step down from extremists, but there's some good stuff to be found in here. The gag of Bill explaining her weird life to her date at the beginning is very funny, especially when they're interrupted. I really enjoyed the Doctor's role in this story as well, having the President of the World thing come back and his authority being evident even outside of Unit. Twelve has a number of really intriguing moments here, with his pragmatic side being emphasised in a similar way to how it was in Season 8, especially with authorising bombing, the pyramid and declassifying everything on Earth in spite of the possible consequences. The biochemical end of the world is almost plausible enough for Doctor Who to get away with it, though I would have preferred a bit less of the sci-fi dramatics with the guy turning into goo. I will also say that the ending made me groan. Obviously Moffat had to corner Bill into giving up the Earth to the monks, but you can tell this was written by a guy (coughs) in his 50s who doesn't get technology. The first time I watched it, I was literally yelling at Bill to tell for 12 to FaceTime her or something. So that's the end of BT Flibbity Giggit's tweet. David, anything you want to say there? Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Well, what's next, David, is we better talk about the episode. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Oh, Christ, the computer's playing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, come on. Captain Comedy made a late appearance this week, didn't he? Yes, indeed. <clears throat> um, alrighty then. So, uh, yeah, so interesting range of opinions there on this one. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. Do, do you want to know how I feel, or should we jump into how, how you responded to this episode, uh, Matt? Go on, you I'm go very first. curious. <laughs> okay, so. It's a, it's it's a, it's a tale of uh, two halves for me, really. This one. Um, I like all the geopolitical stuff. I think it's really interesting. I love the concept of the pyramid and and uh, all of that. 
the I like the the concept of the butterfly effect in the laboratory causing this, you know, potential enormous disaster. Um, what I don't like is the execution of the laboratory subplot because I think there are contrivances in there and people acting so stupidly that they no longer appear to be human. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I totally get where you're coming from there. And I think we'll dig that into that a little bit more as we get, you know, in into the nuts and bolts of that episode. But that that has that aspect has always prevented me from fully getting on board with this story. And it's a shame because the rest of it I think is really pretty solid. I think the performances are good. Um, I think um visually it's quite an interesting episode. Um and I do like Peter Harness as a writer. Now, obviously, we, you know, one of our tweeters um, referenced the fact that he'd done the Zygon two-parter. He also did Kill the Moon, if you remember that. Oh, what so an episode. I, so I think what you, if you look at those three, these three stories together, you really get a sense of what Peter Harness does well as a writer in that he is not afraid to to go deep and, you know, p- present really difficult choices and things. That uh, Difficult choices is kind of the, the underlying theme across all of his episodes for Doctor Who, really. Um, and, and I think there's, you know, there's obviously an interesting thing. But like I said, I think also <laughs> he has this propensity that, that, that there's something there'll be some element in his stories that is so jarringly dumb that it makes it hard to fully appreciate. So in this one, it was the lab thing in Kill the Moon. It was the... The, the moon? <laughs> the moon is an egg. Um, in the Zygon 2 party, you had that scene with, you know, at the church where all the soldiers just wander into an obvious trap. Um it, that's probably the least egregious of the three, but it, it seems like it's almost a bit of a recurring thing with his episodes. There's always something that I'm just like, oh, why why are we doing this? Surely there was another way to get here, mm. you know. Um, but anyway, so I can't say it's a bad episode. I don't think it is. I think it's, a, but I, I think it's overall it's a good episode. But it's a. I can't. I don't love it. I don't love it, and I, I wish I could. What about you? Worst episode of the season for me. Really, just straight yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe go bad episodes, some good bits, but I was not. I mean, I've already mentioned that I had to watch it in a hurry after work. But even then... yeah, so you weren't maybe best placed for this one. But yeah, it is. Um... It definitely, even though I don't, I, I you know, I've, I discussed last week. I'm, 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 I'm mixed on extremists. I don't love it as much as some people do, but I, those that were saying it's a bit of a step down from extremists, it's hard to argue with that. Mm. You know, a, apart from anything else, extremists had Missy, and there's, there's uh, no Missy this week. Yeah. 
and that's a disappointment. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, mm. I normally say good episode, but I don't really know why. I might go bad episode, but I don't really know why. Like, it's non-offensive, but nothing happens in this whole episode. <laughs> like, until mm. the final 40 seconds, maybe? Yeah, there's it a, does. There's f- a lot of everyone staring at the pyramid, then walking to the pyramid, then coming back out the pyramid. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree with that. That it that the pacing is quite. It feels almost classic Who in its pacing mm. at times. Um, yeah, it feels like for 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 an episode that is essentially about a world on the brink of apocalypse. There is a lethargic quality yeah. to it at times, which feels at odds with that. Yeah, plus, like, I, I know most of the threat is going to be dealt with by the Doctor and Bill and, like, the generals. But imagine if your clock just changed to the doomsday clock. No one else on Earth mm. seems bothered. Well, yeah, we don't we don't get any glimpses of like worldwide panic, I, and I think that's something that the RTD era was particularly good at. Whenever there was an Earth based story where there was some kind of disaster, you get those little cutaways to like people panicking in on the city streets and uh, and and like news reports and and things like that. We don't get that here. We literally just get a few people standing around in a room or or. It, by a checkpoint you know um so that's that's a stylistic and, and potentially also a budgetary thing um but i i agree it's kind of missing and also the idea that every clock would suddenly essentially be malfunctioning there would there would be global repercussions in that would be like the y2k book exactly only for real this time. Um, and so the idea that, you know, that kind of, when you stop and think about that, it kind of undermines the central idea that the monks aren't intervening and will only intervene at the moment that humanity needs them so long as they have consent. We'll talk about that word later. Um, there is, yeah... But they they have intervened. They've made a massive change to, you know, things that, you know, the, the idea that, like, how a train supposed to be running on time? How a shipment supposed to be moving around the world if nobody knows what t- exactly what time it is anymore? Because any clock they look at mm. is telling them the wrong time. I, 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 yeah, I find that that a bit of a bit of a weird one. That so, I guess it's one of those episodes where to to appreciate what it's trying to say and what it's trying to do, you have to really suspend disbelief. You just have to. There's big ideas being thrown around, and you just have to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think that's the way to put it. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, you could say that about a lot of Doctor Who. And generally speaking, 
you are happy to go with it. So what makes it harder to do that on this case? Is it to do with the tone of the episode, the directorial choices? I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. But, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one for sure. Anyway, shall we um, shall we rattle, rattle through it and then we can call this a day? Yeah. Okay, so this is The Pyramid at the End of the World. This is episode yep. 7 of season 10. It's mm-hmm. written by Peter Harness and Stephen Moffat, directed by Daniel Netheim, and it is from the 27th of May, 2017. Yeah. Okay, so we open with Bill on a date with Penny from last week. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit of intercut from the last episode. Yeah, uh, and I did I did pick up on this this time and thought about it. I only I feel like only on Doctor Who would you get a non-linear uh, last time like um, recap at the top of an episode? You know, the idea that it's cutting between uh, last week's episode and then little, little moments from the present of this episode. Mm. And like, that just feels very Doctor Who to me. I don't think any other TV show could get away with that. I was I was just looking there, David. I, I put a message out on Twitter saying that we're recording a late night special, and straight away mm-hmm. I just got a tweet saying uh, you better not censor out all the swear words. <laughs> uh, that was from our listener Kimberly. So, do you want to say a special late night hello? Hello, Kimberly. Right. So, as Bill and Penny are on their date, they eventually go back to I assume Bill's house for a cup of tea, where a SWAT team interrupt them they seem to know who bill is bill has no idea what's going Mm -hmm. on and this comes after she's tried to relay the story of how insane her life is yeah and i do it's a good callback isn't it Mm. you know last week it was the pope this week it's a swat team um yeah (laughs) poor bill just wants to have a normal date with his girl uh so then the secretary general of the UN just lets himself in. <laughs> yeah. And he's looking for the president. Mm-hmm. And straight away, I, I knew where this was going because Bill goes, oh, well, I don't even vote for the president. But obviously mm-hmm. she'd be unaware that the doctor is president of Earth. Yes. Did we, we had that in the Matt Smith era, didn't we? Is... I'm trying to think. I think it's just a Capaldi era thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm certain there was a Smith. I I feel like it's introduced in uh, the Series 8 finale, Dark Water, Death in Heaven. Oh, it could be. I think that is the first time it's introduced. I could be wrong. Feel free to correct me on Twitter, okay. listeners, if I'm wrong about that. So... They're obviously looking for the Doctor, and the reason for that is there is a pyramid in Termezistan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm just... Yeah. Is Termezistan real? It's not. No, it's just from Doctor Who. Because at first I thought it was Turkmezistan, which is a real... Yeah, it's... And that... It's so close, isn't it? And Turkmenistan is really close to where I said this would be, the end of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about yeah, that. But out yeah. there in the Middle East, that's where I said... I'm going to say, well done, you called it. You, you know, somewhere in that sort of, like, former Soviet... Um, yeah. Yeah. 
that whole whole region. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's. I wonder if to to has it ever appeared before or since? You know, it's not like Latveria is for um, the Marvel universe. No, uh, when I googled or it, or just... so- Sokovia in the uh, MCU, obviously. When I googled, because yeah, go on, go sorry. On. I was just no. I was just going to start being a Marvel nerd and, and talking about the fact that obviously, like they they couldn't use Latveria uh, back when they did Age of Ultron because they didn't have uh, Fantastic Four rights, um, yeah. which is why they couldn't came up with Sokovia. Oh, apparently, it is seen in the Zygon invasion. Oh, is it? Uh, ah, so Peter Harness cribbing from himself there. Yeah, I I always kind of like that when. You've got a Doctor Who writer who's introduced something into the Doctor Who universe, and they're like, "Yeah, this is good." Nobody else touches it, and then they get another crack at writing, and they're like, "I'm just gonna pop that back in." I really want to. So, Kate, this needs an entry on TARDIS wiki. Kate Kate Stewart also reveals that Unit has found what appears to be a Zygon training post into Mezistan, which may serve Uh. as Truth or Consequences base. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all right then. So Kate goes to New Mexico to find out what caused it, and he tells Clara and Jack to remain in the UK whilst he heads to, to Mezistan. So that's where the Doctor goes in the Zygon. Yeah, that's where Doctor and Osgood go in yeah. that story. Yeah, um, because, yeah, it's, it's like... Um, uh, just, just, just blanking on his name all of a sudden. Um why am I blanking on his name? Peter Harness, is that who you're thinking of? No, the writer of The God Complex and then the Under the Lake and Before the Flood 2 part. Hold on, let me look. I've got my notes. Uh, that was written by Toby Whithouse. Toby Whithouse. I knew it was Toby something. Toby Whithouse, yeah. So to, in both of those stories, in God Complex, he introduces the Tavolians, um, with the one played by uh, David Williams. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. And and then nobody else does anything with those aliens. And then when he comes back to do Under Lake Before the Flood, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to shove them in again. I've, I think he's kind of endearing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, we've, get, we've gotten sorry. Right, so basically the pyramid appears. It wasn't there yesterday. They're, yeah. They're... Now, I like this. This is cool. The idea of just like big, weird alien pyramid just suddenly turning up overnight. Mm-hmm. That's like a good, big starting premise for a sci-fi story, I think. Yeah, because you don't need to know any more than that, really, do you? No. And I kind of feel like... I feel that that, that it's resolved quite quickly, that mystery. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish maybe... Maybe we could have done more with that idea than, than actually gets done, given that it's the title of the episode. Um, but anyway... So then, after the titles, the Doctor mm-hmm. is on the TARDIS. And I don't know if you knew this, David, but Peter Capaldi can play the guitar. <laughs> it's funny that they've never thought to utilise that earlier. Yeah, in, it in kind of blindsides you out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah, but there he is, yeah. Yeah, so he's playing the guitar, walking around, talking to himself, doing a bit of meditating when Bill arrives. Actually, I should, I should mention, this is the old news by the time this comes out, but... Um, did you did you know that Peter Capaldi is releasing an album? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get it. Yeah, I think. Um, 
I mean, I'll be honest, it's probably not going to be my cup of tea. But I'm, well, I'll no, be curious probably be enough good to check it out. Starters, so that's where you <laughs> Okay. And the Doctor immediately puts on his sonic sunglasses when Bill arrives. Okay, because mm-hmm. he's still maintaining the idea that he's blind. And he says he's far too busy to get involved, except when he steps out the TARDIS, it's already on Air Force One. Yeah, we get that little joke where it's like, "Well, how did you get it out? The 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 uh, windows aren't big enough." And this soldier kind of goes, "Oh, sorry, they are now." <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good line. Okay, so this part of the story is interspersed with uh, a lady working at an kind of nondescript biology biotech lab i think it says it's a i think it was something or other biofuels yeah that's it because I, I wrote fuel yeah. at the beginning mm-hmm. and then i was just like this has got nothing to do with fuels okay so we yeah. see that she's broken her glasses haven't we Cause yes i, I yeah. can't remember in, if it's in, a... in the first okay so it's we, we have here the first of a, as i say a series of contrivances because what she does is she's got her work bag ready to go. She's got her reading glasses in her work bag. Um, the doors, the, the her front door is propped open. She pops her bag down at, you know, in the doorway, walks over to her car to open the boot and, you know, tells her husband, uh, oh, don't close the door. And he sort of closes the door without looking and, you know, the glasses go crunch. But why would she not just carry the bag over to the car? Yeah, why would she leave it right in the door? Yeah, pop it on the step. Or, I don't know, it just... So, like, right there, that's the first... And and pretty much every step on this chain. You know, we're trying to do the butterfly effect thing. And that's a cool idea. And you can write good stories around that idea but this for me feels like that they that you know they they had the end point that Peter Harness had the end point that he knew he wanted to get to and he was just racking his brains to to think of the steps to get to that and he went with the first idea every time mm. because it it just doesn't add up to me um anyway so there we go. Okay. So she's been watched by someone and we realise mm. it's the monks. So we yeah. realise this lady, later revealed to be called Erica, is important somehow. She is. Okay. So the Doctor and Bill arrive at the pyramid mm-hmm. and Bill works out it's an alien ship because it's at a tactical intersection between American, Chinese and Russian forces. So she realises it's almost like a cry for attention. These aliens want to be noticed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Doctor approaches the pyramid as the monks mm-hmm. watch him, and then he has a nice little chat with the monk who threatens to take the Earth, but they say they'll only do so when they're asked. Yeah. Okay, so I quite... I quite like that as a concept, that they're hostile, yeah. but they have to be asked in order to yeah. take charge. It's I like it too. It's an interesting twist on your classic in, 
alien invasion story. Mm. Um, and I do think it's one of the stronger elements of this episode is how it plays around with that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, all the clocks on Earth now turn to 11.57, three minutes to midnight. Mm-hmm. We get a long discussion about the doomsday clock and what that means. Yep. We've, all, we've already covered that this would have enormous logistical repercussions for the globe, uh, which are not addressed in this story. Uh, so, back in the lab, uh, Erica and her co-worker are mixing some chemicals, but oh, he's, had a, he's had a big night the night before. Oh, out with the lads. Yeah, so we have to assume this story is taking place on a Tuesday, because we all know Monday's the sexy night of the week, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so he's like blurry-eyed. He's not really paying attention, and he misses mm-hmm. mixes some of the chemicals, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's that it's one of those that guy actors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't tell you his name, but he's in stuff. Yeah. Um, wasn't he? Ah, wasn't he one of the leads in My Parents Are Aliens? Uh, I think he never might have been. really watched it. I, I mean, I didn't either. I just, I was kind of aware that it was on. It was one of those things that I would flick past. I think I was a um, little old when that came out. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, so. And he's just immediately, like, just enormously unprofessional. Yeah. So, having tried to work out why the pyramid is here, uh, mm-hmm. the doctor makes the decision he's just going to attack it. Which seems very undoctor-like. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and they, they they kind of lampshade that a bit, you know. Nardole's like, oh, well, violence is never the answer, is it, Doctor? Yeah. And the Doctor's like, no, just bomb the shit out of it. Because is this the bit where he's like, oh, the aliens are sending us a message, and that message is bring yeah. it. So I'm yeah. going to bring it. That's the thing. So, so to be clear... The Doctor advocates this, I think, knowing full well that it isn't going to work. But he's, you know, he, this is the Doctor as a scientist. He's got a hypothesis and now he needs to test it. Mm-hmm. And the way that you test it is by letting the military do their military thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So when he attacks... The pyramid shoots a beam of bright white light into the sky. Mm-hmm. And I really like this bit. I actually found this bit quite funny, quite unintentionally yeah. funny. Yes. All the yeah. crew of the aeroplane are just replaced by monks. And then we get a nice <laughs> nice image of like boys on tour where it's just the monks in an aeroplane. And like Okay, yeah. So so to unpack it a little bit, there's this one moment that where where I think it initially, like it, the pilot, the I think it's just the the pilot or the co-pilot is replaced, and like the other one, like reacts and it's like a jump scare. And I think the editing on that is is bang on and it works really well. And I wish they just left at that point because that's really effective. But then they cut again and it's just all the mugs and just all of that tension is is gone because it's there's something just inherently silly. Yeah. About these these corpses in robes just sat in a in a cockpit, just like do 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 do. Yeah, just like having a whale of a time. 
So yeah. they land the plane and return to the pyramid. And the doctor says, well, that's odd because the missile I launched came from a submarine. And at that point, the monks just drop a submarine out the sky as well. Yeah. Okay, so clearly attacking them isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the doctor and Bill are invited into the pyramid. And this is where the monks reveal that they've already won. Okay. Yeah. Something terrible's already happening. So they mm-hmm. offer to save the earth, but again say they must be asked. Whereas the doctor is hesitant to do so. He says, by doing so, we're allowing them to have all the power in this dynamic. It's going to be a real problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the monks show the doctor and Bill earth's destruction. They show yeah. the Earth a, a year from now and it's just in tatters and flames, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so I think, is it at this point where one of the army generals says, oh, well, just help us, help us. And they say, well, power must consent. So it needs to be someone yes. important that brokers this deal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think, I think do they blast the general and turn him into dust at this point? So the first one, the first one to do it is, I believe, is it, is it the unit, is it this UN Secretary General, or is it just? Oh, one it of the could be generals? actually. Okay. I, yeah, and because the first one is, you know, you, you act out of fear. Fear is not consent. Mm-hmm. So okay, couple of things. Um, we, I think we need to talk about that word, consent. A lot of people quite rightly felt uncomfortable about the way it's used in this episode. Um, just because, you know, there's a lot of discourse around consent in, in all kinds of contexts. And playing fast and loose with that idea can potentially be problematic. Mm-hmm. I think um, I do. Th- I don't know what the, the thing is. I get that. I don't know what word you replace it with. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't know how, and I think, as we said before, I, it's one of the stronger ideas in this story. And so I wouldn't want to lose that. And, and the other thing that I like about it is that it almost has this fable, fairy tale, moralistic aspect to it where you've got the kind of rule of three of like um so you're kind of by seeing the others making their mistakes you're kind of drilling down into like what are they actually looking for if it's not acting out of fear or self-interest or you know whatever it is um so it yeah it's interesting but but not i i feel like we we just kind of needed to, to touch on that briefly though yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so all the clocks have now changed to one minute to midnight. So we're approaching danger. Mm. You know, the end's getting ever closer. Okay. And we also find out if the monks are going to help, then the help needs to be wanted and the monks need to be loved. Yeah. So there you go. There's another little bit that can tie into our late night special. Loving yeah. a monk. 
having a mark. <laughs> there we go. There's a sentence yeah. I didn't think I'd be saying the first thing this morning. <laughs> okay. So the UN, yeah, it's at this point where the UN general consents. Uh, yeah. And the monks say, well, ju- you're asking for this because you're afraid and fear is not consent. Yeah. Okay, so it's at this point he gets blasted away. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the doctor then orders the monks away, says he still wants no part of their help. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're just here for, just for trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the chemicals in the lab that have been mixed incorrectly are released on some of the plants. Yes. And kills them. So this is the first sign of how things are going to go wrong. We yeah. knew it was going to have something to do with this lab. And yeah. now we realise that the chemicals that have been mismixed are deadly. Yeah. Okay. So, Russia, China and USA. I'll just put in my notes. Make friends. They're all great pals now. It's really sweet, isn't it? Um, there's a certain naivety there. Like the idea that Yes, presumably these are powerful generals within their, their respective armies, but, you know, militaries are still just tools of government. It's not like... Do you know what I mean? It's and it, it, Three individuals shaking hands yeah. does not necessarily guarantee peace. Yeah, it's like the king of the army. Does it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, uh, but that doesn't fix anything. No, when they agree to peace, the clock doesn't alter. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that there's an enzyme in the lab breaking everything down and it cannot be released. So Erica is, you know, panicking. She wants to lock the lab down. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the doctor's starting to formulate his plan here. He realises that the... Pyramid must just be little more than a distraction. And Mm -hmm. in order to work out what's really going on, he then releases all classified information on Earth because that's going to allow the generals to search through it to see if there's anything he needs to be concerned. So, specifically, he says he puts them all on the internet in searchable format. Now, I feel this was very much inspired by WikiLeaks, Mm -hmm. which was making a lot of headlines at the time. Um, but again, that is an insanely massive thing to do that would have enormous global repercussions, which again are completely not addressed. And why would he say that they could have, you only ever see people in that room searching those documents. Mm. So just say that he's made it accessible for everyone in this room. You just like one change half a line. And you've erased that that whole issue. Mm-hmm. It's these kinds of things which really rankle with me with this story. Um, but anyway, so they all start searching Go- through these documents. Going back to WikiLeaks, does Julian Assange yeah. still live in that embassy? I don't know. I lost track of that story at a certain point. I wonder what he's up to um, these days. Good old Assange. Hmm. I mean, he, he, he was looking very beardy and um, poorly uh, and sort of malnutrition-y last time I saw him. Yeah. 
Uh, so, so um, I'm, I'm just going to check he's still alive before we fly. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, he's still alive. That's fine. Yeah, complicated figure, isn't he? Yeah. Like I, I th- it's one of the one of those classic ones where the media wants you to to pick a side. Is he a hero or a villain? I'm just like mm, probably neither. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, it's probably just probably just a bit just a bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Like imagine but, if you yeah. were on a train going down to London and Julian Assange sat next to you. And just started telling yeah. you all the government secrets. I think I'd pretend I was going to the loo and just move seats. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, oh, this yeah. is my stop. Get off the train, but then get on to four carriages down. <laughs> you know, he's one of them. Yeah. Right. So the enzyme in the lab is breaking everything down. Uh, it causes the man who was hung over to turn into smoke and mush. Yeah, not dissimilar to oh, the bag of slime, really. We haven't. <laughs> he gets turned into overboiled rhubarb. Uh, that's very true. We haven't addressed as well another thing. Sorry, I'm really, I'm not, I'm not being kind to this episode today. Um, but when he, when he just bolts into the like secure area with the samples and just scoops a load up with his with his gloved hands. And brings them through into oh, the yeah. other part of the lab. Like, flipping heck, mate. You're a scientist. What What is going on there? I feel like Pete Harness has had the concept of science and scientists explained to him, like, by some third party. It, it's like he has never seen a laboratory before yeah or, or a, 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 a anyone working in a laboratory like, do you know what i mean none of the none of these procedures and decisions make any sense like i don't care how panicked you were as a scientist you'd have enough basic training to be like right i need to get a sample i'm gonna get something to scoop it with and put it in some kind of container Nah, just carry carry it in your bare hands. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay. okay let's so move on. Let's move on. The humans try and talk the doctor into taking the monk's offer. Okay. He's not even wearing his like um hazmat mask. No. But, but because he's hung over, that's the excuse given. But if you can't if you're not well enough to wear your protective suit at work, then you go home. Like, because presumably he's aware of that, that, that they are working with hazardous chemicals and, I, I don't know, doesn't want to get lung cancer as a result. Um, it, it, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. Sorry, Matt. You... It's fine. <laughs> move on. It's fine. I think this has been our best episode of the year. <laughs> like... You know, you know, last year where like episode one hundred just stood out as the best that we put together. Mm. Well, it stood out as the longest. Yeah, I remember the most great difficult time to edit. <laughs> well, this evening, even because it's this it's evening. ten past ten now. Right. It is. You, you, can you tell I'm just losing my mind at this point? <laughs> uh, let, it is. It is genuinely past my bedtime let, now. Let me just work out. I've been awake for. Well, I got up at half five this morning. 
and it's ten past <laughs> ten in the evening. Right. So yeah. the doctor has a realization. He says he needs to blind the monks. Obviously, considering his own blindness. And whilst that's going on, yeah. there's a full-on biohazard in the lab. Okay, it's all very Resident Evil. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So the doctor plans to switch off all CCTV from labs. Mm-hmm. That way, he stops the monks' surveillance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as he does, the monks get annoyed and just turn it back on again. But that's the only one that does get turned on. So the doctor knows exactly yeah. where he needs to go. Again, I I like that. That's good doctoriness. Yeah, I think that's... I I like that idea. So. The Doctor lands in the lab and he sends Nardole away back in the TARDIS and of course as soon mm-hmm. as he shuts the door we hear Nardole coughing so there's a mm. good implication on what's going to happen there. Yeah, because, and again, probably my favourite gag of the episode, he, he uh, tells Nardole that he got his lungs cheap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's 20 minutes until the next venting cycle where all the oxygen in the lab's replaced, but that would also shoot the oxygen that's got this bacteria enzyme thing out of the lab into society. So- okay, so we're going to have to address this again. So this lab, this magical lab of endless contrivances has an automated venting system which cannot be overridden by any human being. Yeah. Which will pump whatever dangerous chemicals are yeah. currently... Like, this is quite clearly a, a very nefarious lab. They are up to no good in here. <laughs> apparently. Apparently it is some Bond villain level shit taking yeah. place because... I. You wouldn't design it that way. No. You would you would have some kind of filtration system. You would have the option to manually switch it off if you were concerned that you're potentially going to be releasing a biohazard into the atmosphere. Yeah. Plus, it's oh, every 20 oh. minutes. Give, give every a, 20 minutes? Give them an hour. Just let them have a, a bit of time to get themselves sorted. Oh, my goodness me. Right. So the doctor's going to sterilise the lab one way or another. Okay. The bacteria mm-hmm. are producing ethanol. Okay. So he's going to use fire to sterilise the labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that they would be making ethanol, and I'm not sure there'd be enough to do a big fire, but never mind. Okay. We're going with that. That's the science teacher in me talking. So whilst yeah. this is happening, the general's plan to accept the monks offer but this time the monks say that they're planning to accept it for strategy and strategy is not consent so i think mm-hmm. they all get blasted now don't they they do yeah okay so the monks ask bill if she consents uh, mm-hmm. because she represents the doctor she represents the highest power on earth mm-hmm. so back in the lab the doctor has set a bomb with a two minute timer Mm-hmm. And all the clocks begin to rewind from midnight because everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Except to escape the lab. It's, it's, it's every blind person's nightmare, David. It's a combination lock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, that, that's like something from the Saw films. 
You just take a blind it's... person, put them in a room, and you're just like, oh, you can leave any time. <laughs> You've just got to sort this combination lock. You... Those locks, you get them on safes and bike chains. You don't get them on doors in secure buildings. Yeah, and I just think if you are in a lab producing yeah. Christ knows what, mm-hmm. it, it's not enough security. <laughs> it's really not. Like, it would clearly be a swipe card system. Yeah. Like, there is no way that would not be a swipe card system. Or, if you need a combination lock, surely it would be like push buttons, not this massive crystal maze puzzle where, you, <laughs> where you've got to align... I, 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 uh, I hated this yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, it is just because... They needed um, Peter Harness needed a a means of pushing Bill to the point that she gets to in this episode, and, it, and it, the whole thing just feels so contrived and arbitrary. Like we know we want to get here. How, what's the quickest way to ah? He's blind, so he can't see the lock. Uh, and, and obviously, they probably initially uh, there was probably a draft where it was a keypad, and someone sort of pointed out to him like, "Yeah, but the numbers are always in the same place, so we could probably have a good stab at that." Yeah. <laughs> you know? Plus, um, I'm pretty certain when he's pressing the things, I think the mm-hmm. numbers are like embossed. Surely you could just go, yeah. go, oh, that feels like a three. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, infuriating. Yeah, if anything, there should be Braille on there. Okay? Mm. Most modern toilet signs have Braille on them. Imagine, I suppose, I, I was about to say, it's not the most PC common, but I, you maybe wouldn't have a blind person working with like really dangerous chemicals. Is that asking for know. trouble? You could though. You could though. Depends depends on the exact nature of the role. <laughs> you know, it certainly feels discreet. Like um, they've as a workplace, they 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 could do with up in their game in terms of accessibility. Mm. Um, but anyway, it, let's 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 get this over and done with. Right, we're nearly at the so end. So he calls Nardole and says, "Oh, can you?" Get a visual on this to help me, but Nardole's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so the doctor oh, finally confesses to Bill that he's blind. He says, "I've been blind all this yeah. time. I can't see." So Bill goes mm. and asks the monks and says, "Look, if you can save the doctor's sight, I need your help." Okay. Yeah. So the doctor begins to see again as the lab explodes, and yeah. we end with the monk saying. You can see again, Doctor. This time you'll see our world. So, ooh. Yeah. But, and to be continued. Yeah. I can't remember if we've ever had a three-parter before. Uh, would you class the Series 3 finale where you've got Utopia, then oh, Sam Drum's Last of oh, the Time yeah, Lords? maybe. Because... They're as loosely linked as these ones are, really, aren't they? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I class them as a, as a, as a three-parter. Um, likewise, I, I would class this one. But I think what, what's particularly interesting about this, though, because obviously that, the Series 3 one, those are all written by RTD. Uh, what I think is interesting about this one is that it's almost like... It was written almost like an exquisite corpse or something. Um, you had... Um, Moffat writing the first one, Harness writing the second one, and this, the next episode, uh, the title of which I'll give you, you now is The Lie of the Land, mm-hmm. is written by the aforementioned Toby Whithouse. All oh, right, he's back. Yeah. So um, it's a three-parter written by three different writers. So it's almost like they're passing the baton between one another. Um, so it does make it quite distinct and interesting. And, what, you know, we'll maybe talk about We'll talk about them more as a whole when we when we get to the end of it. But um, uh, yeah, so how are you feeling about the monks as villains right now? Oh, they don't really do anything. They're just like they don't, they don't uh, even move their mouths properly. Yeah, every villain's like, oh, I'm going to take over the world, but they usually explain how and what they're going to do. These guys, they're driven. They're just like, we're going to take over the world. We're taking over and the you're world. Gonna... We... You're going to ask us to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they've come out of nowhere. Yeah. They're in... They're, in, I th- they're interesting, I think. They are an interesting idea for a villain. Um, they're not that interesting. They're basically the same as the silence, aren't they? I think... Mm, I wouldn't say so. They're, they're, they're distinct enough. I think what they lack is they don't... For all their power, which is we've seen in this episode, is immense. They don't feel in any way physically threatening. They're creepy to look at, but there's no sense that any of the monks are actually going to like sneak up and break your neck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that strips away. It's a much more psychological threat, a much more existential threat, and. I think that's one of the things that contributes to this episode feeling kind of quite slow and ploddy at times. There's no, there's no, there's not a lot of running round corridors. No, no, it's it is slow. Hmm. But hey, could be a different kettle of fish next week when we're discussing the lie of the land. Yeah, I was going to make a joke there and say, oh, I can't wait to see what the lie of the land is next week. I mean, well, you've said it now anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't um, worry, I'm on the edit this week. I'm going to edit it so mm. I sound hilarious. That's going to be seamless. So do join us, listeners, next week when we will be discussing The Lie of the Land, hopefully at a slightly more hospitable hour when my my brain is uh, <laughs> slightly less distractible. Yeah. So, so I'm not just fixating on everything that annoys me. <laughs> Um, I feel like I, if anything, I come across as the one who hates Doctor Who this week. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know about you, David. I've had an absolute hoot tonight. <laughs> oh, it's been a good chat. I've really enjoyed it. I've, uh, and it's yeah, literally Highlight just gonna end this call with you. Have a shower and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's yeah, another likewise. scene for late night. Neither the time nor the space. Mm. Enjoy that, listeners. Um, So, uh, yeah, and do join us next week when we will be discussing 
the lie of the land. But until then, thank you very much for listening and cheerio. Bye now. For listening to neither the time nor the space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. <laughs>